listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer, episode 138. VLS 10, the best games and learning conference in the world. World, world, world. This is Ed Gamer for Wednesday, June 4th, 2014. Ed Gamer is part of the EdReach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big, a big voice. voice. <laughs> <laughs> this show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. I'm Rex. And I'm Ramey. And Rex, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a graduate student with the Games Learning Society Research Group at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Okay, and Ramey? And my name is Ramey Holden. I'm a doctoral candidate also at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And along with Rex, we both co-chair the GLS Playful Learning Summit. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. And as you can tell, we are short one tonight, and that would be Jerry. Jerry is taking care of a sick dog, and so we, our thoughts are, are with him. He's not having a lot of fun with that. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get him back on the show, and hopefully he can join us up in Madison next week and that's kind of what we're going to talk about here in a little bit but I wanted to share some some gaming news and I think one of these you guys kind of uh, uh, kind of piqued your interest you know before we did it when we before we started the show we kind of I showed some of the links that uh, I want to talk about there's some games that are out there that have kind of been making a um, kind of showing some uh, gaining strength, I would say, in the gaming world. One of them is Hearth Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft. And let me share that with all of you out there. Okay. And this is, uh, this is actually on the iPad, but I've been reading somewhere. You know there's gaming leagues, guys, I'm sure you know. There's mm -hmm. gaming competitions, and I guess this is one that's, that's out there. And but they're doing this on computer, so I'm guessing there's got to be some type of uh, way to you know have it on the computer. But it's a deck building game, and uh, as it says, deceptively simple, insanely fun, and it is. So it's uh, it is very easy, but it, it's it's a card game. You know, you have cards that help uh, help you more than others that kind of go after certain other cards or the hero which is at the top your decks at the bottom of course and uh, it, it's been a lot of fun so if you have this right now it's it's free um, for iOS but it's a uh, kind of a, a freemium where you you know you pay uh, you pay if you want some extra um, I guess extra features and extra cards so do you guys do you guys have the iPad do you get into deck building at all I've done it mostly with actual cards, not on the iPad. So this is interesting to see this as this example. Yeah. I have, so go ahead. Oh, I've played it on the computer. I haven't tried it on the iPad yet. Yeah. And um, you know, Magic I know is on the iPad, and I hear that's a nice, con you know, conversion over to you know the uh, to the iPad from the actual deck, you know, the card game itself. So, and then of course you know Mojang made um, uh, has made a deck building game 
Uh, of course, they're the creators of Minecraft, so, and I think that's been gaining in popularity too. So I guess when you have something like Minecraft, people are willing to try whatever else you put out there. The other one, um, one of the others here is Alhambra. This is the dice. This is the dice game, and this I don't even know. Really, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to go into ex explanation. Does that look complicated at all? Just just a little bit. Yeah. So you know you have these different areas: the blue, the red, the brown, um, that gray, green and then kind of a purple. Um, and basically what you're trying to do is take control of, of that color and kind of uh, each time you gain control of a, during a round, you move your pieces up here. I'm not even going to go into all the complexities. It, it gets very complex. And uh, you roll dice, and the more dice you have, the higher roll uh, you can place on the top there, and I'm really butchering it. I know I am, but it, it's a lot of fun. It took a while to figure out uh, this game, but I played this during the family tabletop game day that I had at my school, which we had about 30 to 35, uh, you know, students and parents that showed up on a Saturday to play board games, and it was a blast. We had a lot, a lot of fun, and this is one of the games that stood out for me, and uh, that was. Um, it was great. It was a great time. Very ruthless and going after others. Sometimes you knowing that you're not going to win and you just kind of take out other people. <laughs> it's always, always fun. This last one here is Classcraft, and this is the one that kind of uh, the both of you were very interested in. And basically, it's uh, it looks like a an RPG um, role playing game for and I. I I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but gamifying the classroom. What, first of all, what are your thoughts on gamification, the word gamification? Rex, do you want to start or <laughs> do you want me to dive in? You go first. <laughs> I think there have been some very successful models. I'll start there. I think that's certainly um, uh, remind me of the author who wrote the, the well-known book um, on gamifying your classroom in, in 2011. Who was that? Um, in any case, uh, no, he wrote, in any case, what I'll say is that I think that it can be quite motivating, um, but what I'll say, and, and, and I could talk more about this later, is that it, I, in the examples I've seen, it can turn gameplay into almost like puzzle play, where some of the answers are predetermined, uh, some of the rewards are a little extrinsic, and in any case, um, I think I've seen some good examples of it. But a lot of gamification is coming out of a more kind of corporate-style, market-driven <laughs> yeah. uh, background. And so its translation to the classroom might not always be as hand-in-glove, so to speak. But I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. I'm going to start rambling. Yeah, Rex? I think it's a useful tool. I mean, it's a tool, so it can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Evil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of evil. corporations, I think, have sort of been the ones that have led the, the charge on getting the poo-pooing for gamification, where they've been yeah. using it for sort of nefarious purposes. Uh, but I think that if it's used the right way, it can be a really powerful tool to help foster things that people actually want. So here they have dramatically increases student motivation, teaching meaningful collaboration, makes learning right. fun and improves classroom behavior. I think it can do all those things. Right. Absolutely. This looks like it's taken it to another level. Mm -hmm. This looks like a, a gamer 
a role play, you know, whether Pathfinder or Dungeons and Dragons or or whatever. I mean, I'm looking at this here. You know, you have an event healing. Um, everyone gains five, you know, you know, hit points. Um, uh, you drink a potion that transforms into uh, health energy. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it's this looks it looks different than what I've seen some others. So you know, you have team and strategy. Uh, you got different classes, healers, warriors, and mages. It, it looks like it's taken it to a, a different level. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting how. Absolutely. And it, it looks like it's got some. Uh, you know, the BBC is. Um, I don't know if that's just them that are part of it, or if they're, it's just a news article. I'm guessing these are just news articles. So, well, I'm not sure. I mean, certainly, it's the production value is very high, and that's that's impressive. And I would be really eager to uh, learn more about the cases on that. Video yeah. So it looks like the video cases are really pretty interesting, and yeah, might be worth looking at. Yep. So, uh, you know, like I said, just wanted to share. Share some of those and and kind of um, some news because we like I said we haven't been Jared haven't been on for about a month and we apologize for that but uh, even the Daily Show and you know you know the big big shows because we're a big show you know they even get time time off uh, so I figure you know that's that's what <laughs> that's how we're doing it so we're gonna start off with here so we're gonna get into uh, GLS uh, the Games and Learning Society and uh, we're gonna start off first with you know what? Because I think it's important to state this, especially as we just talked about uh, gamification. <laughs> what is game-based learning? So, what are your? What, I guess what's your definition uh, of game-based learning? Yeah. So I'll jump in by saying that when I hear people talk about games and learning or game-based learning, I always begin with a question, which is, what do you mean by a game? And given the popularity of, of this show and certainly the games that we just we, we were just looking at, um, games take a variety of forms. And so certainly we've seen the rise of video games and digitally mediated games. Um, you mentioned tabletop games, the Alhambra dice example. Um, and now we're seeing game mechanics in other social settings, like gamification in classrooms or gamification in business settings. But let's not forget that there are also theater games, improvisational games that get groups to work together. There are certainly games that take place um, in fields, in the open, uh, in, in cities. That's all to say that um, I think that the folks who hang out at the Games Learning Society Center here at the University of, of Wisconsin-Madison, we take a pretty open, uh, I think, holistic approach to game-based learning. And, and I'll let Rex speak to this in more detail because I think we're both very passionate about this. We care, I would say, as much about the form of the game as we do about how it informs student learning, whether it's a video game or a tabletop game or a game that an improvisational theater troupe plays. Um, how does that inform the learning of the group, whether those are students in elementary school or students in graduate school? Um, we also care about that as, you know, pretty significantly. Rex, what do you think about games and learning and the field, as they say? Well, what if I start by explaining what our research group is? Good. That's a good place to start. So uh, we both work with the Games Learning Society Research Center in Madison, which has been around for uh, about 10 years now, just over 10 years. And uh, it really 
began by looking at what commercial video games do and how they engage the player, how they keep them motivated through difficult challenges that would otherwise be something you might skip over or get bored with or leave. And from that has transitioned now into how to actually use the ways that those commercial games teach the player to become a better player and stay motivated and interested into how we can use that to teach other things instead of just teaching uh, how to play Call of Duty better. We're now going to hope that we can teach mathematics, that we can teach arithmetic, that we can teach uh, group participation in maybe this, this classroom craft sort of style or something along those lines, that it has evolved from what is it that games currently teach? Because I think we have now grown to the point where we can agree that they, they teach you things. Uh, and now it is how can we get them to actually teach us the things that we think are valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, the, that's the question, and that's the, the complexity, because I think for a long while people were thinking that games was, uh, there's no silver bullet. I mean, there's, no, um, there's not one tool out there that does what needs to be done in the classroom. Each you, you have kids who are completely different. You have tools that are completely different, and the kids need different tools. Um, so, and then games in itself have a multitude of different angles that that can reach a student. And whether that's a tabletop or a role-playing game or an, a game on an iPad or cards or whatever it is, there's so many different variables. And that's what makes it difficult. And so I think when we saw early on that people making just simple games and this is what you're going to use in your classroom, Lemonade Stand, Oregon Trail, you know, these are games that I, you know, grew up with uh, in the classroom. And it's far more complex than that. I think when you get into, especially into the field with University of Wisconsin, MIT, Arizona State, and Boise State, I can we can name all these different universities they're getting into this field but um, you know I think I think some of them get upset when you just kind of simplify it and instead of taking a look at what a game can do as a whole and that's kind of what you guys have been I guess trying to figure out is that is that one of your areas well yeah so I want to I want to address that point Zach I want to go back and, and compliment something Rex just said in describing even a little bit more, uh, in a little bit different of an angle, part of also what the GLS Center does. Because for folks who might not be familiar with a with a research center at a major university campus, like what does that look like, and, and what are we doing, and what, how are we hanging out? We have quite a quite a collection of professors and graduate students and an outreach team, and I don't know, Rex, thirty to forty folks who are working in various capacities, um, who share space and who share a number of common commitments. And as you just mentioned, Zach, there are a lot of, of universities across the country now who are studying games and learning, um, whether they're studying it from a policy perspective, like some of our faculty do, or they're looking at how individuals, uh, their cognitive processes work, or how they build communities of shared affinity, or how perhaps teachers and students are learning in formal school settings in contrast to informal out-of-school settings. But something that I think really distinguishes the GLS Center and our work, and I think is why we've been so successful for over a decade now, is that all of our faculty, many of the graduate students who have come through GLS and have now become faculty at other universities and are building programs in other places, we all share a common commitment to classroom teaching 
We recognize that it's very important to work with teachers as designers. We really care about the future of public education and understanding that although universities sometimes get a bad rep for researching things, but not having a real connection to practice and to impact, I think the GLS Center has really strongly valued through its research um, that connection to community service, to public education, and working directly with teachers. And so um, I just want to make sure that that's very clear from the get-go. You, you, you hit that softball very well. <laughs> you hit it out of the park. That was perfect because that's, that's, that's one reason why I love what you're doing with GLS and with playful learning. And it, it is that commitment to teachers, educators, and public education in the classroom. And you guys have really put a, a, a big foot forward, which is not, you know, to that area, which not a lot of universities do. Uh, and I think that's, that is very, very important. You've made me feel like it's a home for me. And that's, I've been to other conferences. I've worked with other universities. And I don't always get that. So thank you. <laughs> thank you well, for that. Again, again, so, th th thank you. I mean, uh, collaboratively designing with our educators uh, is really what will help to transform classroom teaching and learning. We are the foot soldiers. End of end of story. Absolutely. Yep. We're the foot soldiers. Uh, so you know, I think you've answered. You know, the what distinguishes GLS conference, right? A little bit. Do you, you know? So what is GLS? First of all, let's let's back up. What is what is the G? You have the games and learning um, the society. And yes. you have a conference, and you have an area within uh, area within the university that studies games and learning. So, I guess distinguish these different realms. Excellent, Rex. You want to jump into that, or do you want me to give a little history? Sure, you can give a little history. <laughs> so, very briefly, as Rex mentioned, uh, our research center has been around for a decade now, and for the tenth year in a row we organize an annual conference. Um, because we feel like we are a leader in the field, we want to bring our colleagues together. We want to bring together researchers and also teachers and administrators, game designers, industry leaders, also a lot of organizational folks, people who are in museums, people who are in other nonprofits who use games and learning uh, in various settings. We want to bring everyone together to network, to share their practices, to build a knowledge base. And we've been doing that now for the last nine years, and we're very excited that this is our 10-year anniversary next week. As a small sliver of that event, um, we, I think five years ago now, dedicated an entire day to our work with classroom teachers. So we are a four-day-long conference, and the first day is really dedicated to how we engage uh, classroom K-12 teachers, as well as administrators, and those who are working primarily in the formal school space. And we had previously called it the Educator Symposium, and thanks to uh, some new partnerships with uh, the Learning Games Network at MIT, we were able to, a few years ago, rebrand and are now part of the National Playful Learning Initiative, and that's a movement, Zach, that you know well, that Rex and I and some of our colleagues have been able to help push forward. We can talk more about that, but Zach, you know, given your, your original question, there's this research center. It's doing work day in and day out at the university. Once a year, it puts on a four-day-long conference. And as part of that four-day-long conference, one day is dedicated to work with K-12 teachers, and that's our Playful Learning Summit. And in, in that work that you do at the, um, uh, the research center, you're constantly working with local educators and educators throughout Wisconsin, correct? 
Yeah, and that's that's some of that outreach. And and one of the other areas I think libraries, right? IMC teachers, because uh, we know we know a few, uh, and you know those are people that also seem to get involved with technology. School districts kind of put that together. So you have the research center, which is closely tied to. Uh, the classroom teachers in public education. You have a conference that has a specific day that is for educators. And then, you know, those educators actually can stay for the rest of the conference, and which is what I've, I have done in the past. And I get to communicate and talk to, you know, leaders in the field, you know, policymakers, game developers, um, you know, students such as yourself, and be able to collaborate and build relationships to I guess make things better within my within my classroom, which is why I think this is the best conference, and not because of just that, but the food and other things. But you know, that's that's a whole another conversation. Well, Zach, I appreciate that you mentioned policymakers. I'll just mention briefly again, given the audience and folks who might be listening in outside of Wisconsin. The University of Wisconsin is centered around the Wisconsin idea. That's our university's motto, and it's to essentially improve the well-being of not only our state, but really the citizens of the world. We really want to keep in mind our commitment to Wisconsin, and so through our work at GLS, we partner very closely with our state Department of Public Instruction. And so, again, for folks who might be listening from, from outside of the state of Wisconsin, we have made a concerted effort over a number of years to partner with what we call DPI, again, the Department of Public Instruction. And last year at our conference, the state superintendent for all of DPI visited. We have assistant state superintendents who uh, routinely come to the conference and speak. We have a variety of uh, DPI staff members who serve on panels. And our partnership is based upon meeting the needs of, but also pushing the field of public education in Wisconsin. And we do this, again, with 100% support from uh, the state education officials. And that's, that's to me, is very forward-thinking, because I'm guessing that if you look at all the 50 states, how many of them with a, a, a games and learning initiative are backing 100% you know, the state boards, you know, of education are backing a games and learning initiative. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping my state will be doing that soon. <laughs> I'm hoping that will be happening, happening soon. So we playful so learning. Too. What's that? So we hope so too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so playful learning, which is, you know, our listeners know about playful learning and the playful learning initiative, but uh, kind of give a brief description of that and what, what that is all about. You want to jump in, Rex? Sure. So the, the whole playful learning idea is kind of the things we've been talking about thus far. It, it branched out from this educator symposium where we had workshops for directly interfacing with teachers and not just interfacing in the way that a normal professional development sort of track would happen where we are giving you information that you can take to your school and put to use, but instead inviting you into this conversation so that this is a two-way street where we can help solve the problems that Zach was mentioning earlier that Everybody has different problems within your classroom. All of your kids are different. Different games have different needs. Uh, to have those as conversations instead of uh, a one-way information dump. So we've taken this approach of involving teachers in the conversation. And now uh, several institutions have had these sorts of workshops or uh, one-day-long tracks or entire conferences themselves, such as Whitewater and Clemson and uh, Ohio University and MIT, that have had 
these sorts of same discussions over the course of one or two days, uh, along with a whole bunch of other institutions and presenters and things like that, to have these conversations about how to use games to solve these problems, how people have solved them in the classroom, or how they've used them to solve their problems, uh, what didn't work, and kind of continuing the growth of the field as a whole instead of trying to do it in isolation. And then being able to share that with others. And, uh, you know, the Playful Learning website um, is, is one of several that, you know, that share lessons and resources for teachers to use. So if I'm looking for a game that's science and physics related, uh, it can actually, you know, the Playful Learning website is actually can give me games that do that. There's also Common Sense Media, which has uh, Graphite, is that right? That's and then right. Educade, and those are those are some areas uh, or some websites that actually are great resources for teachers. And when I teach this summer, as you know, I'll be doing some professional development. Those are the area. Those are the um, uh, websites I'll be using to show that you know what there are educators out there that have done this. Here's a, a, this should streamline your approach and and adding these types of games and resources. For your classroom and that's the biggest problem for teachers is time being able to have time to integrate and put these things together I think most teachers would like to integrate some games and simulations and role-playing and, and, and such but it's the time that's um, that we have and, and planning and actually using in the classroom is very difficult so this this is the whole purpose of you know playful learning is to, to help out teachers to to accomplish that so. And, you know, every now and then, though, I mean, we, we are, of course, all busy, and I am also a former classroom teacher. We all, though, find time to step away and take a break for a few days and refresh and kind of whet the intellectual appetite. And conferences are a great opportunity yes. to do that. And that's one of the reasons why we bring our colleagues together. And I'm so pleased, Zach, that, that, that you mentioned a variety of resources. Um, and Rex, of course, detailed um, the events that we've been running around the country. And so when I... When I hear playful learning, um, I'm thinking of usually three things. I'm thinking of, one, the resources, Zach, that you just mentioned. Playful learning is a knowledge base. There are online materials that people can access. The second thing I'm thinking about, though, are the summits, these conferences that people are attending. They're face-to-face. -face, they're networking. They're meeting new colleagues, um, learning you know, about new practice. And then the third thing is that it's led by teachers. And, and as Rex mentioned in his description, we hope that – oh, thanks for showing that – <laughs> you know, we hope that um, our um, our events are not, as Rex said, this kind of traditional professional development delivery model, but rather we value teachers who are designers. And so at all of the various events and summits that you can see on a, on a map of just what we've done in the past year, these are spaces where teachers can not only um, adopt games for their classroom, but adapt them and then also become designers of new curricula, new pedagogy, and new games that really meet the needs of their students whatever their discipline may be, whatever their particular school context may be. Um, and so keeping in mind as we speak about playful learning, this movement, this playful learning movement, we're talking about, again, online resources, we're talking about events, we're talking about teacher leadership. Yep, and it just, the list keeps going and going. Yeah, and so when you have all these events, uh, you're reaching a lot of teachers and that what's our, yeah what's our rough estimate Rex in the first year alone uh, uh, around 2,500 2,500 is that right 
So K-12 teachers and also administrators, some pre-service teachers, we really value working with that next generation of classroom teachers. Yeah, about 2,500 that we've, we've engaged just in one, in one year. And that's, that's awesome. And it's going to grow. It's it's going to grow, and that's that's about building these relationships, and and so hopefully next week we'll be building more relationships and, and getting this this message out there and, and helping teachers. So what if we're looking at and and um, Ramy, do you yeah. have those? I'm going to share my screen and, and kick this around. Um, so yeah, so next week is our 10th anniversary. It's our 10th anniversary conference, GLS 10. Uh, can can folks see my screen? Not yet. Nope. <laughs> Not yet. Coming through, maybe? Desktop. Start screen share. There, there, we, go. there we go. So we have a, a few websites I'll just very briefly uh, show, show to folks, and we can embed these links elsewhere. But um, if folks go to glsconference.org, uh, it'll redirect you to the 2014 page. Um, and that brings you here. And this is our main conference webpage that has links to a whole host of information. The location here in Madison, Wisconsin at the beautiful and historic Memorial Union, links to our schedule, various pre-conference activities, previous events, um, information about registration and housing, etc. But this really is the hub. If you're looking for one place to go, this is the place to start, the glsconference.org, and again, redirecting to the 2014 page. Um, within that, then, you can link to a variety of other pages, including our conference uh, program. This is a program of every single event uh, for the next, for the for four days. So we're starting on Tuesday, next Tuesday, the 10th of June, with the Playful Learning Summit, the National Playful Learning Summit, and then the rest of the GLS conference runs through the 13th, the 11th, 12th, and 13th. And the program is really intuitive. It's uh, organized, um, as you can see on the right side here, by event types. And if I was to, for example, select a particular workshop, I can read a description, I can look at who will be facilitating the workshop, where and when it will be taking place. And again, folks can look through um, daily schedules. Here's the entire Playful Learning Summit. And then the full GLS conference begins on Wednesday, the 11th. Um, so again, this link to the program is available through the main website. And I've also um, embedded a standalone link um, to that as well. Rex, Zach, anything to add about some of the kind of like website basics and uh, schedule basics? Uh, there's really cool people that are presenting. There are. Oh, there are actually. So we should mention, of course, um, some of the keynotes and some of the some of the content. So because we are talking primarily about the Playful Learning Summit as a part of the broader conference, we should mention that um, on Tuesday, on the tenth, as you see here, um, we have a joint keynote with another event that we're actually very excited to share space and time with the National Science Foundation's Cyber Learning Summit. And so because of that, we've got some of the uh, field's leading learning scientists who themselves have really made a career around um, online uh, multiplayer uh, video games, um, webkins, and all kinds of, of other really interesting uh, social networks that both doctors Yasmin Kafai and, and, and Dr. Uh, Deborah Fields have studied. Um, Dr. Deborah Fields is now doing um, work on, on textiles and e-textiles. Um, and so in any case, we are so thrilled to have a joint keynote from, from Drs. Kafai and Fields start the day 
Um, and again, there's more information about that about that here. And then we have a number of workshops. As, as Rex had mentioned earlier, this is a hands-on event. We want people doing things. And so we have six workshop options in the morning for general attendees. Um, and we have six, or I should say seven, workshop options um, for a whole host of different types of games uh, in the afternoon. We also have a really interesting lunch expo, which Rex has really been the lead on helping to organize. you want to kind of explain what this is all about? Sure. So a lot of conferences tend to have an expo space where they'll have booths with all these different participants, and you tend to drive by, is what I like to call it, where you walk by, you might take a peek and see if something's interesting, they'll give you a handout, and then you walk away. Uh, our, our lunch expo is meant to be more of a conversation space, so we want to foster those uh, two-way street conversations, and we have about 10, I think, now groups, really interesting, awesome groups, so all of the ones that Zach mentioned earlier with uh, Graphite and uh, through Common Sense Media and um, Game Up Pop and uh, Game Desks Educate. All three of them will be there, along with Nova, Glass Lab. Uh, we have the Center for Investigating Healthy Minds, the UW-Madison, who's done a lot of cutting-edge research that uh, has been interfaced with our lab. They'll be there as well. We have a, a great list, I think, that Remy has now pulled up, so you can take a look at that. Uh, and I think that that just continues those conversations with this being a... a it's something that we're all trying to foster, all, all trying to grow the field instead of working in competition with each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, and that's, uh, I did notice, I do have to mention, uh, Joel Levin will be there, mm -hmm. Minecraft yes. teacher, so he's a, he's a friend. So. Yes, so a friend of a friend of the show and a friend of Playful yeah. Learning. Uh, so I'll just bring up his uh, his afternoon workshop on yeah. next Tuesday the tenth. Yeah. He'll be running a Minecraft EDU workshop, and again, there's his his bio and his and his workshop. Um, and so this is a great way of saying that if folks who who watch this are watching now or who watch this later uh, want to attend, you can register on site for the conference. So here's my one sales pitch. I apologize, but I'll I'll get it out of the way quickly. Um, <laughs> if you're in the Madison area or you want to join us next Tuesday the tenth. Um, you can do so by, again, driving to Madison, uh, showing up at our Memorial Union. Uh, registration begins, uh, or I should say opens, at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's $75 for on-site registration, and that comes with not only access to all of these events and workshops, but also uh, a breakfast, a lunch, and, of course, a happy hour to uh, round out the day. So <laughs> a full day, uh, quite a lot of fun. Um, and, again, we, we would hope to see folks uh, in Madison next Tuesday. Not that the food's good or anything. <laughs> it is pretty, pretty yeah, excellent, not, actually. We have a reputation to uphold. Yeah, not that the Happy hours are not bad either. either. Yeah, no, not bad no. either. Uh, now, d people, do no. you have the live streaming too, right? I was going to say, so if you can't can join us next week, um, oops, I'll just close that here. Um, we do have a live streaming option for the keynote addresses. And so you can see here actually not only a list of all of the keynote speakers, but links to these various events. So there's a keynote uh, every morning. And so we'll have one Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning, um, as well as one Friday afternoon to kind of close the conference. And the Tuesday morning keynote, again, shared with the NSF Cyber Learning Summit will be streaming um, through the Cyber Learning site. And again, there's a link here through, again, the main Sheila's conference page. And then we have other, again, leading researchers and educators, Drew Davidson, Scott Osterweil, who's uh, with the Learning Games Network at MIT, Jessica Lindell um, is at Glass Lab, and again, many others, including some friends from the GLS faculty and, and, and 
Filament Games and just many other really wonderful folks um, in the afternoon on Friday. And again, there will be a link to all of these keynotes. Right. And I'll have that here. in the show notes. Wonderful. Show notes. That's great, Zach. Thank uh, you. You know, so we have um, great presentations, interactive presentations, meeting, uh, you know, people in the field. But I have to add, there's something about if you've ever been to a games conference, gaming, just like board gaming, video, nice people. I mean, it's yeah. not like you're going to, you know, it's not like you have a lot of police showing up to these, you know, game conferences. You know, it's nice people. <laughs> And they're very friendly, and they invite you in, which is which is a wonderful part. So you have all these things, plus good food and a great town, and it's it's that's what makes it the best conference. And uh, I am so glad to be attending again, and we'll definitely be having a, a kind of a summary, a podcast after the event, and talking about what was what was learned. And what happened during the the conference, and so, and I know that they share out a lot of people share out a lot of, of notes and resources uh, during and uh, after the conference. So, is the Twitter will the Twitter hashtag be um, uh, GLS10? It'll just be GLS. Some people might start using GLS10, but we we tend to just say GLS, easy to remember, and everyone knows it. And okay. then also playful learning. Playful learning, all one word. Right. Um, we will also be using on Tuesday the 10th. And Zach, I really appreciate what you said about uh, the conference as an event that's friendly for educators. You know, in my experience, people tend to sometimes stick inside of their professional silos, so to speak. Teachers just hang out with teachers. They may not even talk with administrators. Uh, researchers don't talk to teachers. Industry folks don't talk to these folks, and designers are also. So everyone kind of has their barriers up. And we've always tried to make this conference, and I think we've succeeded, a space where everyone is mixing professionally. They have common values, but they also have divergent thinking. And everyone's far more, as you said, having a good time, hanging out, networking, playing games, and being in the kind of space that is very much unlike other games conferences, very much unlike other teacher professional learning opportunities, and really unlike, uh, I think, any kind of typical teacher conference, even if it's not about games and learning. And so in that sense, it's a neat experience for everyone. Yes, agreed. Is there, because we're kind of, we're a little bit over, but that's okay. But I'm going to kick my screen uh, back. Huh? I'm going to turn my screen off. Turn my screen. Is there anything else you guys want to share? I think. Yeah, I do actually. Oh, I want to yeah. uh, I want to make one one final pitch. If you're going to attend all of GLS, or if you're going to attend anything at GLS that's not the Playful Learning Summit, you got to come to the panel that this guy is on, that's your right. host, uh, <laughs> on Thursday uh -huh. the, uh, at two thirty. This is the one where we're actually having a, a fieldwide discussion involving all the different parties and players we've been talking about. So this is something that I'm really excited about. We're going to have uh, professors who are at the top of the field talking with the educational publishers and have teachers up on that panel as well. So I think that that's one way that we're trying to show that all of these people in our eyes are equal and we want everybody to have a say. So we would love to have as many teachers out there in the audience to, uh, to you know continue that conversation with the other academics and game publishers and administrators who are in the room when that happens. That is an uh, excluding me. That's an all-star lineup. 
Come see That's an all-star lineup. I bring it down a little bit, but that's okay. I think we'll be all, I think we'll be all right. No, that's I'm looking forward to that, and then being involved with in other areas too. It's 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 I'm I'm really really excited and uh, uh, looking for I'm looking forward to playing some games too. Please tell me because I don't know why, but Jerry and I last year there was an Oculus Rift there, and uh, we didn't uh, you know we're just you know, I, I messed with 3D glasses back in the you know early you know 2000s, and, you know, um, and they were geeky things, you know, huge things over your eyes, and they didn't work very well. And and I'm like, oh, that's not that can't be anything big. And then of course, as soon as I leave GLS, and I find out this Oculus Rift thing is like really cool. And uh, so please tell me that there will be one there. Do you know Rex? I don't, I don't know for sure. sure. I, I know people have one, so if we ask around, I'm sure we can get one there. You might okay. have to give uh, Mark Zuckerberg a call or whoever bought it. No, <laughs> Google bought it. That's right. Whoever, you know. Give yeah, him a call. Some guy with a hoodie. Yeah. Well, no, it's there. So, okay, well, on that note, <laughs> I'm sure Jerry's going to listen to this and just. He'll have some comments to add in there. Okay, thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer Podcast, and we did miss it, Jerry. Uh, please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Have a great week, and thank you to the two of you, and I'll see you next week. Thank you, Zach. Thanks for having See you, Madison. Thank you so much. <laughs>